Welcome to Season 3 of the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. Good morning, everybody. Morning, everybody. All right, this is Brandon speaking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm Dan Norton. <laughs> I always just want to confirm that you are you. I don't know if that's of any comfort for you, but that's what my first urge is every yeah, time. Every time I'm at, at, in the security line at the airport, I got to pull out my Dan Norton phone call. Yeah. Who am I? <laughs> How did I get here? Mm. But more importantly, we have guests today. Yes. Forget about us two. Um, we have Andrea and Maria in the studio. Hi, guys. Hi. So, oh, wow. Well, well, syncopated. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> we yeah. span that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like you even harmonized a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so um, Andrea and Maria are educators who are focused particularly on using VR. And so we thought we'd bring them into the studio, talk about their experiences with that, um, using it in the classroom, using it with students, um, the advantages, the disadvantages, and everything. Uh, a full warts and all expose on VR in the education realm. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, before we jump into that, I have a very important question to ask everybody sitting here, which is, uh, what are you playing video game wise? Okay. I'm going to start with Dan. I'll start because I'm prepared. I've, been, uh, I've felt a fair amount of anxiety over the blizzard-shaped cell I've been trapped in for the last <laughs> few months. So uh, I acquired and I'm now playing Dead Cells. Okay which uh, is a platformer. Uh, You play as, uh, well, technically you're a ball of goo that takes over a corpse. Sure. Sure, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) it basically, it's kind of like a castle Metroidvania type experience. Okay. But uh, you die over and over and over. It's sort of- uh, Oh, it's like roguelike. Yeah, it's like a touch of roguelike. The levels are randomly assembled. Mm. um, And it's a touch of like Dark Souls and that there's a longer term progression that you slowly grind up, but you also lose progress every time you die. So it's a little brutal, but a little little progressive RPG-ish as well. So it's early access, right? Yes. And it is a good early access game. Like you can play it. Uh, I haven't had any crashes. It saves. Is it complete? It, uh, I think... I have a feeling that maybe the bosses are placeholder. They're kind of just like really tough, regular dudes. I see. But maybe that's fine because if they randomly alter each one of the those and make those a, a large selection of bosses like that, I'd be happy with it. All I right. think you can play it now and be like, this is a great finished game, more or less. I'm looking forward to what's coming out. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I think if there's anything, it's like it's an experiment once again with my own tapering enthusiasm for games that – feature punishment as a core <laughs> mechanic. Like you're supposed to sort of relish the, the cycle of of death. Yeah. But I get angry. Right. I'm like I didn't want to die there. <laughs> you're just yeah. you you enjoy your life too much. Yeah. Um <laughs> all right. Well I've been playing a game called Civ Crafter, which is a mobile game that is so pointless. It's <laughs> it's just like it is so pointless. But I I probably played it for like four hours last night. Like I came to after like a fugue state and I was like, oh, what have I done? Um, but yeah, it's like it's like a clicker. So do you guys know like the clicker genre? Yeah. So yeah, it's, I mean, like, you just click on stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's got like, it's got progress trees. It's like, 
they they added so much depth to it but then i realized as i'm playing it i'm like this makes me anxious and then i realized that it's like manipulating my like reptilian yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah animal brain and i d- yeah it's like i don't know if it's actually a voluntary experience yeah i feel like that <laughs> or if it's just something that's happening to me yeah clickers are weird like that at a certain point yeah. you're like wait is this actually making me happy right it's very <laughs> strange sometimes the answer is no yeah it's like a weird pavlovian yeah. nightmare yeah make <laughs> sure to let it go <laughs> anyway oh actually i'm sorry i have one other very i'll briefly talk about maybe i'll use it more thoroughly on my next one but Please. i also have been uh watching on twitch player unknowns battlegrounds Okay. Which is a game I will never play personally. <laughs> yeah, uh, that game seems deeply unpleasant. Uh, in this game, you are one of 100 people on a large airplane that is airdropped onto an island. The island is abandoned except for uh, guns on the ground, ammunition, med kits, and uh, whoever is the last person alive wins. Uh, there's an ever-shrinking uh, circle of safe space. The island is consumed by toxic gas. Uh <laughs> and yeah, it's an absolutely brutal, horrible game. Sounds to play. like a really nice vacation spot. Hunger games, like yeah, yeah. It's very Hunger Games, like oh, yes. yeah, that is very much uh, yeah. And it's uh, yeah, I would never play it because it mostly is a game if you are be able to port your your CS:GO or otherwise perfect adolescent reflexes into headshots <laughs> from great distances and advanced squad tactics. But uh. it is fun to watch people who are good at it. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So I've actually uh, tapered on the Hearthstone watching, and I'm watching more of that. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll have to start a different segment of, like, what are you watching? Yeah. But, but not play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's not fair. I sort of consider it I'm playing it. I guess that's not really accurate. Right. But, uh, I mean, I'm consuming it and thinking about how it works. So. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. How about mm-hmm. you guys? What are you playing? So I live in a house of gamers, which right. means um, I don't really get to play a lot because oh, they're on everything. Okay. But I would say when I think about that, um, working in a school library, we do we have a makerspace. And so I'm always mm. trying to promote making. And so um, one thing that a tool that I've been kind of working on with the kids is something called Bloxels. Oh, I yeah. If you guys are familiar mm-hmm. with that. So mm-hmm. I bought it last year as a Kickstarter. And um, for people that aren't familiar, it's basically this plastic board. It's a grid with uh, kind of cube spaces, and you can place cubes into those spaces. And the cubes are different colors, oh. and they represent different parts of the game. So, you know, um, water would be blue. Um, you know, the land features are green. So you place the cubes on, so it's, like, very kinesthetic. And then you go into this app, and you're able to then customize it. So the water could actually become lava, and the land could be, like, dirt or grass. And then you basically create, like, one board within um, a video game, kind of Super Mario-like. Mm. What's cool is is then as you save them, you kind of put conjoin these different boards together, and then you can share the game and, and play it. So it's been kind of fun to see you know, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders developing their own games. And then, of wow. course, they're like, Mrs. Trudeau, you've got to play it. So wow. no, I, I become the experimenter and the, oh, and the sure. guinea pig. <laughs> I was thinking Roblox. I have not heard of that. Oh, that Roblox is big in my house, too. Yeah. Yes, I have Grotopia going on. There's all, yeah, we have, yeah, we have a lot of gaming happening in our house. So Awesome. That's super yeah, cool. That's fun. How about you, Maria? So... Not not as much gaming as you guys going on here. <laughs> That's <but> fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm kind of consumed with my one and three year old, like the looking always looking for like apps for them to use. Um, mm. so I'm not usually playing them, but um, just thinking of gaming, something that um we're really involved in at my school is this immersive um game called Breakout Edu. 
Um, and it takes it takes the idea of like escape rooms. Uh-huh. Um, but since we can't like lock kids up in rooms, <laughs> we lock up this box. That that old man won't let you lock children in a room. <laughs> <laughs> you lock up this box, a breakout edu box with all these locks and kids solve these puzzles that have to do with all the locks and once they break out of the locks, they break out of the box. Um, so that's something we're really involved in, and uh, it's become kind of a, a big thing in, at school and one of our passions. So And there is a digital component, a digital, so, yeah, yeah, which we're toying with. Super cool. Yeah. So is that like, does it just kind of like as like a collaboration communication exercise for the kids, basically? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. All communication, collaboration, problem solving, all like these important skills that we want to like have the students like strengthen sure. involves yeah that's yeah, awesome i have really to admit cool. i kind of want one of those boxes yes really you do good. no kidding yeah, right I'll, I'll show you how to get one all right that's amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> I also you know brandon maybe we should change it because like we, we bring a lot of folks on and we ask them what they're playing and then people always people feel like oh i need to i should be playing something with a headset on where i'm shooting something in the face and it's <laughs> got to be hardcore it's like that's not at all what we want to know it's like we really just want to know what you're doing that's playful yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, you know, like, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's a wonderful answer. It's a really cool, oh, good, cool <laughs> sounding thing. I was like, I, <laughs> right? See, so that's the thing. I was like, we shouldn't have that pressure on people yeah. to like yeah, be yeah, like, yeah. provide us the newest video game. Yeah. That's not what we're trying to get at. We just I wanna, do love them, and yeah. I have played them. I just, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and just so you know, too, like Brandon and I sometimes we're like, we're still just playing. <laughs> World of Warcraft or You're something. Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we're like, Last yeah. two episodes for me, I was like, I'm playing a game from 2011. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm playing it real hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's a good point. That's mm-hmm. a good point. It shouldn't be like, what's what's your sickest achievement in Call yeah. of Duty? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in headshots, bro. <laughs> let's get down to, to business here. We want to talk about VR. We want to talk about VR cool. because you guys are using VR right now in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about your personal backgrounds and kind of what your roles are. Can you just kind of introduce like, you know, your roles at the library and kind of like what you guys do on a daily basis? Yeah. So um, Andrew and I both um, work in the library. I'm uh, one of the I coaches. There's two I coaches in my school. I coach is an instructional coach, and the little I is just an emphasis on innovation. Mm-hmm. So I, I work with teachers to just bring innovative um, learning experiences into the room. Um, there's a bunch of stuff under my umbrella as a coach, but um Tech is kind of my passion. I started out as like the tech coordinator at the school and then it evolved into like a tech coach and then now it's the I coach. So hmm. tech is my my just like passion and stuff. So um, I am housed. My little office is in the library. Um, it's the library is called like a learning commons and it's like this, you know, communal space. So it's the perfect place to collaborate with teachers and, you know, and with Andrea and we do all sorts of fun stuff together. So. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm Andrea Trudeau. Uh, my official title is Library Information Specialist, Ooh, but wow. who, I know it sounds so fancy. But I call myself a no-shush librarian. So mm. the library, this is my second year in this role. I've been in my school for 19 years now, um, in the classroom for most of it. 
Uh, Marie and I crossed paths early, though, in my career because we both started out in the computer lab working under this amazing gentleman, John Hollingshead, who kind of, kind of, I don't know, he woke something up in us. It just inspires us every day to just continue to innovate and just challenge ourselves and do what's best for kids. Awesome. So then I went into the classroom for a while, loved it, um, and then decided I needed a new challenge. So the library is great because... I have the support of the staff and the administration to just kind of make it what I want. So it's not the traditional like research reading library. We still do those things because they're very important. Mm -hmm. But there are times when you come in and we have like eight games of breakout going on and we've got loud music and I'm standing mm -hmm. on a table like it is not <laughs> what you expect in a library. <laughs> so it's a very cool job. Um, and I feel like I am kind of part coach as well. So Marie and I kind of work together and we want to be kind of the heart of the school. So when anyone wants to try something new, they come to us. Or if we see something, we'll go to our, our dreamers and our magic makers and make it happen. So we're, we're yes people. And yeah. luckily, we're in a place where people trust us and let us kind of have some fun with their students. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's super cool. I wish my library just randomly turned into a rager from, <laughs> 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 from time to time. Yeah. Um. You know, you, know you, you did touch on something that I think we've found. Uh, as you can imagine, we've been talking about how games can get into schools and how we can get more play into schools. And our successes have always been schools that have a community that supports play. Like we can sometimes find like the isolated innovator who's fighting, fighting the machine. Mm -hmm. uh, but it almost always our biggest sweeping successes are places where, where the community is set up. The actual school is interested as a group in innovation and play and engagement. So it really sounds awesome that you guys are able to be in a place that's like a part of that type of scene. So with, um, I probably know the answer to this question already, so given that you're both kind of highly into the innovative and the cutting edge, but kind of what, what appeals to you about VR? What, what led you down that path specifically? So it kind of came up last year. It was sort of by accident. Uh, Maria and I attend a conference every year called the Northern Illinois Computing Educators Conference, or NICE, and there's like a little mini con. And mm -hmm. she had won um, a Google Cardboard. There was like a raffle at the end, and she got it, and we're like, what is this thing? It's just cardboard, and it's held together by a rubber band. What is this thing? So we were like not really sure, but, you know, we started – she was toying around and found some cool apps, and – um, she had me on a roller coaster and my belly was dropping as I watched it. And I'm like, this is so cool. So uh, fast forward, she was on maternity leave last spring and um, I was just kind of putzing around online and I found this RYOT app. So it was through Huffington Post. And they had these really powerful videos looking at um, you know, like you could be in a classroom in Kenya and mm -hmm. be sitting there and you hear the teacher and you, you, you see the kids working and their papers rustling and you could kind of look all around. It was just so amazing. And then being on the shores of Greece and seeing like Syrian refugees coming in. And I thought this would be so amazing for social studies because mm -hmm. I had previously taught it. And I'm very good friends with one of the social studies teachers. And he's always looking for a way to innovate. So I approached him and said, we've got this cardboard. Could we use a phone? Let's try this app. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of just, well, I don't know if this is going to work. Let's just go yeah, for yeah. it. And it was like kind of by accident. It was just the stars wow. aligned and we went for it. And, so. and one of the things that, you know, Andrea and I with VR, uh, one of our number one things is um, bringing empathy to our students. We work in a, in a place where, you know, we just want to make sure that students are aware of what's out there in the world, different than what they're used mm -hmm. to. So, you know, using apps like that, we can like, have them immersed in it and really kind of just get in the footsteps of other people and just learn how to empathize with others. So that was 
It's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely a transportive yeah, <laughs> um, technology. Um, so it started with kind of this, uh, like a seed of a single Google Cardboard yeah, unit. Yep. That's that's interesting to me. So what is it? What does it look like now? What has that grown to? <laughs> <laughs> so now um, we have um, two class sets of uh, VR go um, goggles. We use the um, the Viewmasters. Mm -hmm. um, they look a lot like the old school. I know, right? It's very yeah. cute. We yes. love it. Yeah, yeah. 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 a couple of those too. <laughs> and I guess we started out, Andrea bought a set of the Google Cardboards, but because we work with, you know, little 11, 12-year-olds and teenagers, they sweat a lot and the Google Cardboard gets a little yeah. messy, so yeah. greasy. <laughs> yeah. We, put, we had duct tape added on to, like, wipe them down, but that yeah. wasn't good enough. So, yeah. So that, you know. You're describing the one I have at home. Like, <laughs> yeah. Feature for feature. The T-zone, yeah. So we have, you know, a set in the library of the, the Viewmasters and the cardboards. Um, and then a teacher also has a set in his room. Um, we have those which we use a lot with Google Expeditions and a lot of different lessons like that. But then um, this year we also... Um, got two Vive sets, ah. um, which are used in, one is used by our STEM teacher um, with his types of lessons, and the other is with the communication media art teacher, mm -hmm. and, you know, he just immerses his students into different lessons with, with the Vive, so. Oh, man, that's so cool. I would love, um, I'd love to hear what you guys think about uh, the low end versus high end there, like, right, so, like, sure. what, we, how does that go for you guys? We love both. Um, um, I feel like we might even, we love the vibe, but I feel like we, we feel like educational, with education, the low end is is plenty. Um, mm. Because we could do different things like use the, the y, RYOT apps and Google Expeditions, mm -hmm. which if you're not familiar with Google Expeditions, oh, yeah, are. you are. Mm -hmm. um, they, they really just, they're complete lessons that can, you know, bring a different, type of learning into classrooms, um, which you just need, you know, a, a cheap either Google Cardboard set or the Viewmaster set and your phone mm -hmm. um, and the, the free app. So we feel like you could get a lot out of those um, that you can. So, so like kind of the key advantages you see is one, it's a little bit more affordable and available, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then the other two, the other thing that you were mentioning is like the, the Google expeditions are kind of designed as an educational experience and a little mm -hmm. bit like encapsulated yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not seeing any of that like on the high end side at the moment. The Vive is trying. I mean, they have um, the, the two main apps that, that our teachers are using in STEM. They're using um, fantastic contraptions, mm -hmm. um, which you could build different contraptions from this little the cat, the yeah, cat, you yeah. grab the tools, mm -hmm. yep, and, and just build. So that the he's kids using like, throw them off the platform. I'm like, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the in the media arts, they're using tilt brush. So sure, sure. Um, yes. to create amazing, you know, you know, art uh, creations. So um, that's where I think they're lacking a little is the type of educational apps with the vibes, but with the mm -hmm. cardboard and the Google Expeditions, there's a lot available. Cool, very cool. Um, I think we have got a demo we're going to have to show you later today. Cool. Yeah. We've been cooking on. Oh, yeah. 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 Which which we cannot name explicitly, but it is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. A couple of cool things, actually. Um, mm -hmm. So 
you know, you kind of talked about how it's being used for different purposes by different teachers. Um, what do you think, like, the the most useful apps you've found have been? Is it, is it Tilt Brush and Fantastic Contraption? Are there other apps that you're using outside of those? There's um, one that we love so much because it takes uh, VR from, like, the conception to creation, and it's called Co-Spaces. Oh, I don't know Co-Spaces. Oh, it is yeah. phenomenal. So we started using it in the beginning of the school year, and I'm telling you from August until today, May, this company, which I think they're located in... Sweden, maybe. Norway, yeah. Norway, some Scandinavian uh, location. They have improved. They continuously update. Like every two, three weeks we get an email. We're getting emails. So they're really, we love that they're just like listening and and watching what their users need. Mm -hmm. And so basically our students can create these VR worlds using, you know, either their computer, Chromebook, or they now have like a, a an app for the iPad. Um, so they're creating these VR worlds that they can create with anything. Our science teacher just use it to have students create like environmental friendly locations depending on what area of the world they were in. Um, They could add whatever scenes they want and text and movable objects and uh, you know the students like are creating this and then when they put it in their VR goggle and they're like whoa I just made like a VR world, so <laughs> that's amazing. We love the yeah. creation part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, Andrea had told me about that when we were on the call a, mm-hmm. a yes. week or so ago, and um, yeah, I went and looked it up, and I, you know, it was just another moment where I'm just like, kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so lucky. They just they got it so good. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah it's I mean, it's really <laughs> slick. <laughs> All right, those bases. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a new one for me. That'll be totally worth checking out. You're gonna love it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so here's here's a question. Um, kind of approaching VR from maybe the skeptic standpoint. Are you? Is there any controversy around this? Like, do you have any parents uh, wondering about it? Do you have any administrators being like, "Is this really a good use of time?" Anything like that? I think um, just kind of starting. We've been very passionate about it, so we were kind of you know we're active on Twitter, so we put some things out there on Twitter, and I know there were a couple people that were like. Have you looked at the safety concerns just about like eye development and just Mm. screen time and brain development? And so there's kind of that component. Um, Most of the VR experiences that we have with kids are limited to maybe 15 minutes. So when we're talking Mm -hmm. about a Google expedition or a co-space, it's such short spurts of time. So we're not not giving them. Yeah, they're not going to be there an extended time. Mm -hmm. Um, We (laughs) do have to use the kids' devices for our VR experiences because we don't have iPod touches or anything. So okay. the kids were so lucky. it's like BYOD basically. Yeah, totally is BYOD. And mm. so we send letters home and we say, oh, we're going to use like co-spaces or expeditions. Please allow your child to download this. 99% of the parents are completely supportive, but there's always one or two that are like, why are you doing this? No. Sure. So we have to have a backup plan. You're either sharing with another student or um, using the iPads. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the final piece was with Vive. So Vive... Um, we got in place uh, about the you know, beginning of the new year, mm-hmm. and you know there was some concern from some top administration, like, is this just fun? You know, I have to tell you, though, like when I, of course, my own children were freaking out when I got Vive in my library, mm-hmm. and they're like, we've got to come on a Saturday and try it out. So <laughs> I let them have full reign, and I said, you know, if you want to blow up zombies or you know, just do anything, and there were just little trials and things. Mm-hmm. What shocked me was is that my sixth grade son and his friend spent the full hour doing fantastic contraptions. So one was like plugged in, he's trying to work it, the other one's sitting there, and I could see them like talking and trying to figure it out. So they could go blow up stuff, which has no educational value, 
mm-hmm. but they chose the tool that I, I think I could sell with four C's and science standards like NGSS. So right. I think we're still with Vibe, especially trying to find the educational applications and making some connections to the curriculum. So, yeah. but I, I think like like Andrea said, like the the skills that the collaborating, like there's usually two people running it one student is kind of watching the other and telling him you know come this way whatever so there's there's skills that they're learning just from working together as a team and then you know there's engagement we have this technology out there we want learning to be fun why not like if we have if we can you know bring it into the school why not mm-hmm. use it um we're not doing it 24 7 7 no. days a right. week no. It's like a blend with other right. types of. It would lose, it lose its luster. It I would think, if we yeah. did it too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Have Have you found that um, it's kind of changed some of the attitudes or you know orientations of the students? Because um, we've you know w- with with districts where we've had our game based learning program implemented, we've found that there's sort of a groundswell of interest in the idea of being a game developer or making games. Um, and I'm wondering if there's if you've seen any kind of unexpected impact like that. From students or, or teachers, you know, whomever, like how it may have changed the culture. I I definitely think so. I'm just thinking back to when we did co-spaces in uh, social studies class. The kids had to do this research project that they've done for years, which is just you get a Civil War battle, mm-hmm. research it, and share your findings. Okay. So that used to be writing a paper, making a poster. Well, this year they opened up co-spaces, and the kids. I had kids who don't like social studies, like sad the period was over. Mm. They were like, it, we want to keep going. And I was like, that is a total win. Like, they're so excited. And I find that when that kind of thing happens, now there's kind of buy-in with that teacher and that class. And so maybe they will be a little more interested when we do an article that maybe isn't as exciting because they know maybe something cool is coming down the line. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it has this kind of trickle effect and really helps engagement across the board. I feel like we're lucky, though. We're in a culture where there's a big push for STEM and the communication media arts, Mm because those are two electives in our school. I see. So kids will learn these things, too, before we get to them in their academic classes. And they have a lot of project options when they're in classes. And Mm -hmm. so kids will say, you know, can I... Can I do? Can I make an app, or can I, you know, create a co-space for my project? So, mm-hmm. what's great is the teachers are really open to the kids being innovative and coming up with ideas that maybe they're not even comfortable with teaching. So it's it does have a it has a, a really special thing, like you said, like a trickle down effect um, from that sixth grade co-space project. I remember speaking to a student who loved it so much that he transferred his knowledge from it, took it home, and created a co-space for his two-year-old sister, or I don't even know how old she was, maybe like five, and he created a VR world for her to learn letters and read. So, you know, (laughs) he he took that, (laughs) took this project, he was inspired by it, you know, and he went home, and when we see kids taking their learning home and doing things on their own, I think that's... Home run. Absolutely, yeah. I was I was expecting you to say something about the Battle, battle of Gettysburg. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> my five year old sister needs to know about Gettysburg <laughs> and the lives that were lost that day. <laughs> oh, really man. cute. He, you know, the world. He he had letters to the right, and he would like say, um, "Okay, look to the right," and she would look. And what letter are you looking at? That's a B. Okay, go towards it or whatever. And I thought that was just really really wow. special. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I feel like there's that seems to be a a big sort of unexpected piece of it is when you give people playful spaces, they can they start thinking more 
like people who can make things, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they get engaged in it, and especially with a tool like CoSpace, which I really need to see. Like the the play space is making, yeah. And you know, if if you were to ask someone to go look at maps of battlefields, mm-hmm. right. no one's going to do it. But if in the context of recreate this space all of a sudden things like cartography are now yeah. instantly relevant yeah you're like did i get the angle of that hill yeah. right is that hill correct i don't, I don't know yeah. where were those cannons right you know and that's like those are now questions they're asking yes mm-hmm. rather than being asked and yeah it's that's pretty sure. spectacular so do you have larger like project-based learning or maker programs that this kind of aligns to or integrates with or is this kind of parallel to that So we're kind of just getting, the makerspace has been part of the library now. This is our second year, and it's something I just kind of pushed in when I started in this role. So it's um, just kind of a open space that the kids can visit before school, at lunch, after school, um, and they can make stuff. So there's a (laughs) low-tech, high-tech, a wide variety. So you can do droids, drones, you can do pipe cleaners, popsicle sticks. we got all kinds of stuff. On Mondays, though, I do something called Maker Monday. Because I find that a lot of times, you know, especially sixth grade loves to do makerspace work. Mm-hmm. And they'll come in and they beeline for the Spheros and they want to do like Sphero Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, <laughs> shocking, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? We were right across from them at ISTE a couple years ago. And yeah. Their booth was very busy. It's yeah. so yeah. And it's, yeah. it's so fun. Yeah. But I wanted to try other things. So something like Boxels I'll sit out or like Little Bits where they do circuitry. So it's been a way, um, you know, just trying to incorporate different things and kind of spotlighted. I feel though sometimes like I have to be a car salesman. I'm like, hey, come on over here. I've got something for you to try. Bring a friend. (laughs) So so making is definitely, and what's great now is that making is becoming part of the curriculum. And that was my goal all along is to first just get it there and make it accessible to everybody. And for teachers to say like, "Eh, what is that? How could we do that? And so, um, you know, seeing things like co-spaces in place is great. And, you know, this isn't VR, but we had kids do an Edison uh, workshop recently where they literally were given supplies and were like, go make a light bulb, figure it out. Here's some, you know, what kind of filament would you want to use? And so really teaching them that idea of grit and experimentation mm-hmm. and that failure is good and you know it's not always going to work the right the first time and it's been amazing so the making piece has been huge it, it's and it's getting there yep it's funny you mentioned the salesman thing cuz that's that's like <laughs> one of those spots where I'm like man teaching and game design are often very similar yeah. right cuz when when you design a game when people first fire it up they're skeptical of whether or not it's a thing they want to spend their time right. with right even though it is is a thing in theory engineered entirely for the purpose of spending time with it, and that's it, mm-hmm. right? But you need to do you know, really smooth tutorial. You need to sort of explain what's going to be fun, like, and you want to have them instantly engaged. And yeah, it's tricky, and mm-hmm. you really, you really have to, yeah, you have to, you have to car salesman it up, right? Like, yeah, give them instant easy victories, being like, oh yeah, you're you're gonna crush this. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> totally. Yeah, you've got this. <laughs> And then, yeah, then you can slowly dial that difficulty uh, based on their competency. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. So what do you have in in store next? Like, do you have um, kind of a roadmap for where you want to go with this program? And, like, how how you're thinking of, like, you know, building on what you're doing with VR, expanding on it? We're, um, We're definitely continuing to, like, look into the curriculum in the subject area and what teachers are 
teaching at the time and trying to find where we could fit in these engaging, you know, VR types of lessons. So we're always doing that. And we're always trying to obviously align it to like, let's say, whatever science is doing right now and what unit they're on. So we're definitely going to continue like looking for good resources and implementing that creation part. Um, which we find that students are loving so much, like creating their own world. So um, that's that's a focus that we're definitely going to keep getting better at. Sure. Yeah, because it just keeps on changing. And I, you know, I feel like we we kind of see this in levels. Like we have the consumption of you know expeditions and video. Um, we have kind of the creation with co spaces and then with Vive. Um, but I think the home run for us has been the individual devices using, you know, the iPods and the, or I guess really iPhones iPhone. um, and iPads. Um, I would, we were talking on the way here and it's, it would be great to see more where kids could kind of interact more with what's happening and kind of demonstrate their learning. I think that's one reason we like CoSpaces because you can add in like the narrative, um, the text on the screen, or you can be a docent and record an audio file that streams and kind of give a tour of your space. But we're hoping to see more where kids can be immersed in a world, but then have maybe like some kind of little formative check or a way to kind of share their knowledge so it becomes uh, more interactive. And that's it's kind of like my husband has uh, Daydream, mm. where you've got the little remote and, mm -hmm. you know, you can flash lights on things, but adding in something where they can actually type an answer in or speak an answer in. So we're kind of making it more educationally based. Okay. And, and personalized yeah. kind of like yes. with, with, you know, you know, if they're on a certain, you know, world or space, they could go where they need to go to get the learning that they need if mm -hmm. it's that kind of interaction. Right. So that's like a thing that we wish we could see. It's like that's yeah. a longitudinal goal. <laughs> yeah, you yes. guys are kind of poking it. I think for us and lots of other, I think just maybe game design writ large, uh, but especially in educational game design, we spent many years making learning games and we've always defined them by what you do. Right. What are the actions you can take? Mm -hmm. um, but right now, and and you know, your guys' experience sort of reconfirms it. Right. The the daydream VR experiences are where can you go and what can you see? Right. They put you in a new environment. Put you, maybe drop you into a place where the norms are totally different, or yeah. you get to see things you'd never never see otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, which is great, but is is different than the framework we've used for a long time to design and propose games. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, as you can imagine, our shop's initial interest has been like, well, we should focus on things like the Vive because that's more like a game space where you've got two sticks to wave around. Right. And what you do is really critical to defining what happens in Vive because the even though, I mean, the technology is still clunky, to be perfectly honest, but it has an, enough of an interaction window for us to apply our traditional, I guess traditional, old-timey yeah. game design <laughs> uh, tools. Um, but you guys are echoing what we've heard before, that like the, the, the daydream experiences are really transformative, and uh, getting people into VR, just getting them to experience places they can't go and see things they otherwise couldn't see uh, is really powerful you know I, yeah you mentioned like dropping into a school in kenya right yeah, that's like amazing yeah I, you know i just getting someone being like i look around and i am not the norm now this right. is a different place this looks yeah. different yeah. yeah this is not the language i speak 
uh, Bill you know. and Ted's excellent adventure. Yeah, Can't you right? Get yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it's been a learning thing for us, sort of being like, how do we use these new tools in VR mm-hmm. that aren't just, it's not just game design anymore. And now mm-hmm. there's a big thumb on the scale for uh, where are you and what can you see is, is really, really, really critical. Mm-hmm. And I think, as you point out, it changes constantly, right? You're getting emails every other week from co-spaces. Yep. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a quickly evolving space. Mm-hmm. And so uh, w- when you target a platform, um, you know, you may be targeting it as it is, and in a couple of weeks it might have a different peripheral right. setup or a completely different uh, yeah. technology behind it where it, yeah, utterly transforms it. I know when, when we first started we were thinking, well, the Vive's got controllers, and that is the key advantage. And now Oculus has controllers. Daydream's got a controller of a kind. It's, mm-hmm. um, so that's uh, rapidly spreading throughout all the platforms. Makes it a little bit more ambiguous as an advantage yeah. <laughs> for any, for any <laughs> single platform. Um, if, I can, if I can throw my futurist hat on. Please. Which is like a – it looks kind of like a Jetsons hat, right? Okay. It's got pointy with little <laughs> concentric circles hovering above it. Yeah. So my futurist hat. That's yeah, nice. I feel like you're going to continue seeing the, the, the low end. I hate even calling it the low end. But the low end of VR will continue getting higher. And there will mm-hmm. be some point when it gets really good – hand control of some sort, ideally even with a camera that can simply track your hands as they are. Um, and then I think, I'm not sure what direction the high end is going to go. I think if they were smart, the high end would go lower and start figuring out how to make it more portable, more consolidated, yep. yeah. Uh, yeah. and less less wired to the wall, yep. right? And uh, Well, and that's the main objection I hear out in the wild is like, these things are really difficult to set up. Yeah. You know, I think back to setting it up here and we had... John was like drilling holes in the yeah. metal. Yeah, yeah we got like mm-hmm. it was ridiculous. four game developers being like, how does this work? Like on ladders. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like literal These engineers. Cores. Yeah, yeah, like actual engineers. Actual engineers. Yeah, yeah so, groups being like, Ugh. You know, so I think, I mean, there may be. Problem solving. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they did figure four it out. Using their four C's. Yeah. They, yeah. they do have grit. Yep. Uh, yeah. But uh, we assess them afterwards. Yeah, correct. Yes. <laughs> they took a what standardized test. What did you learn? <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think if the high end keeps on sort of being like more pixels, mm-hmm. better frame rates, it really won't actually get that much more traction. They need to right. actually focus on right that ideal. That less I, cords. That's yeah, what they need to be focused cords, on. More freedom. Yes. Higher fidelity interaction. So I think yeah. if low and high both go towards that, then we'll start seeing right now, you know, we'll move out of early adopter into a sort of being like, Everybody's got one of these mm-hmm. things. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So final thoughts about VR and education, if you've got them, putting you on the spot. To me, VR all goes back to empathy. I mean, that's the thing that I think sold us. Um, I didn't get to mention it, but, you know, when we did that RYOT app mm-hmm. and kids saw these Syrian refugees coming ashore, it all came back full circle because now those seventh graders are in eighth grade and we had a family in our community that was hosting a Syrian family that mm. had lived in a, a Turkish refugee camp for two years. Oh, wow. And they made it in before there was that ban in the fall. Mm-hmm. And these people knew no English. They didn't know how to, you know, they were trying to assimilate in the United States. So it was amazing because all these kids had seen, you know, this Syrian refugee video. Now they decided they wanted to pay it forward and they created videos for this family that I posted on this Facebook page so that the family could learn, like, how to approach a domestic dog, how to use a microwave, how to use a vending machine. So it was a perfect example of taking a three-minute video, showing them that, 
helping them be in someone's shoes. And now let's take that and now let's let's do something about it. Let's change the world and make a difference in someone's life. That's incredible. It was amazing. So that is just incredible. That to me mm-hmm. is the power of VR right there. That's amazing. And that's what changing the world is. It's not, yeah, reaching out and helping some people. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't get any better than that. That's yep. amazing. Right. And like yeah. a few people at a time. That's yeah, right. That's to be. Yeah, that's <laughs> incredible. That's really great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a super meaningful way to end the podcast, but we would need to trans- <laughs> transition to something way less meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's right. <laughs> Acronym of the week. The, the outro. Yeah. All right. So All right. I think, Dan, you're coming in hot. Yeah. I've got yeah. a simple one. All right. And it is, it is an, it's possible you know this already. All right. But if not, I will be pleased because be it's an entertaining stumper. Okay. Uh, the acronym is OK. Just two letters? Mm-hmm. Just those two letters? Yes. Yeah, I guess there wouldn't be other letters. And the actual OK. Like I, re- I regret that question, to be yeah. honest yeah. with you. If you uh, say OK, that's right. the OK I'm talking about. I used to know this. I did used to know this, which is, yeah, uh, an unprovable claim. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, it's, it escapes me. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, it's, okay. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Okay. It is, uh, it stands for all correct. How can this be? That's just bad spelling. Yes. So, it's, that's the fun part. It's like a two-part thing. All right. I, I wish I had a, a handy Wikipedia page up right now to remember the year, but... <laughs> At a, current, at a point in time in English, it was fun to just spell things wrong, which actually we do nowadays too. Sure, right? It's sure. just fun to like. So all correct as a phrase for being like everything is fine uh-huh. was turned into O-L-L-K-O-R-E-C-T. That's amazing. And then that got condensed into just saying, okay. Was this, so where did this originate? Like was this a military thing? What was this? No, no, just, just the common rabble. Just the rabble. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just slang. Just common slang. Yeah. And uh, I awesome. Never. Who knew? Yeah. Right. Okay. Knew. That's where it's from. And uh, right. and so it's well, so uh, all you rabble out. There. Yeah. And I don't actually uh, know, but I assume it's cool. part of part of the reason the acronym probably came to be. I guess is that it was deliberately flummoxing. Mm. Kind of like uh, old. It's like Cockney. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. old rhyming Cockney. Yeah. You know, we're in Barney and stuff like that. Is sure. Another, like, this is deliberately obscure, mm-hmm. so it can be an in-joke. Going up the apples and pears. There you go. For instance. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so everyone, please feel free to actually Wikipedia <laughs> this and find out the, the juicy details of dates and time. We will. Uh, it's just a teaser. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, yeah, that's the origin of okay. It's all correct. All right. Hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, Dan. Thank you for that. That's wonderful. Um, and and speaking of thank you, thank you, Andrea Maria, for coming and joining us today. This was a wonderful conversation oh, about for VR. Having us. Um, super cool to hear about what you guys are doing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all the time we've got. So thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Filament Games podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what goes on inside our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher. How many headshots, bruh?